0: Hey, welcome to the Albert Tate podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a podcast all about kingdom conversations that will inspire, encourage, and hopefully challenge your soul. Help you think a little bit, cry a little bit, pray a little bit, laugh a little bit. It's gonna be an amazing time as we journey together. So thank you for subscribing. Tell your friends about it, share it. Listen, we're gonna have a great time with this podcast. My guest this week is amazing. Um, I asked him a question uh, because the theme this season is all about moments that shaped us. Um, and how it impacted our lives. Um, and the, the topic for this week is disappointment. Um, how disappointment shapes you, how you respond to it, how you overcome it, and kind of the implications thereafter. Um, I couldn't think of a better person to talk to this about. It may shock you, but I talked to Terrell Owens, uh, one of the greatest wide receivers of our time. Um, We get into some of the stuff about the Hall of Fame, we get into stuff about football, but it's all driven by how disappointment shaped him and how he responded. I'm telling you, get your notepad, take some notes. It's gonna encourage you and challenge you. Here's my conversation with Terrell Owens.
1: Stadia has had the honor of helping hundreds of great leaders start new churches. We have a passionate desire to make sure that every child on the planet can experience the overwhelming love of Jesus Christ through the local church. This vision compels us to ask one very important question. Who's next? Who are the leaders that God is raising up to plant new churches, Who are the leaders that that will answer the call to say, I'll follow, I'll raise up this generation, the next generation to know Jesus Christ and to change the world forever. Are you ready to start your church planting journey? Perhaps you know someone who is. Stadia is ready to help and will be with you every step of the way because we won't stop until every child has a church. Well, we've
0: got T.O. in the building. Man, dude, thanks for doing this, bro. No, thanks for having me. So good to have a, have you on the show, have we a little have conversation. should got some lotion on it. Well, yeah. the camera can't see that. Oh, this is, this the camera can't is see it. the lotion. Everybody <laughs> can't afford to get all the bells and whistles. What is this on your feet? What it? We, we ain't got a shot. Take one of those shoes off. Let's get it in the camera. Let's, can we oh, get it in these are there?
2: my uh, Hall of Fame uh, slippers that uh, this guy from Instagram that followed me he made for me. So this is one Get your
0: popcorn
2: ready. Pro
0: Football Hall of Fame Owens.
2: Yeah. And oh, and then
0: you got class of 2018. Yeah, yeah. Oh, check that out. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get them back on you, Doc. There's a little aroma coming out of them. You got to put socks. <laughs> got to put socks on with nah, those things, nah, Doc. That's nah. <laughs> all right. Man, um so with this podcast, every episode, um the whole season is talking about moments that shaped you. And um, this particular one, although we're going to talk about a lot of other different things because you got a few things going on, but I want to talk about a moment that shaped you, and each week we have a different theme. Um, The theme that I want to talk about with you, though, is disappointment. Mm. And I want to talk about a moment, uh, I mean, obviously, probably there's several disappointments that's happened in your life, but I want to talk about the disappointment that you feel like shaped you significantly, and after that. You, you were no longer the same and how you learned from it, how you grew from it. But let's go to that moment where
2: disappointment really shaped you. Oh, wow. Man, I, I've had so many. <laughs> uh, um, I think, you know, starting out, you know, as a as a preteen, you know, around between the ages of 10, uh, 10 and 12, that was uh, when I found out who my dad was. Hmm. Um, um, Little did I know that my my dad lived right across the street from me. Um, I raised I was raised by my grandmother um, and my mom, and so um, my mom was married and the oldest of my two sisters. All along, from you know, like I said, from as long as I could remember, I thought her dad was my dad. And so for whatever reason, uh, my mom chose not to disclose any of that information to me until obviously a later date. And so. um, So how did
0: you how did you find out that the guy that you
2: thought was your dad wasn't actually your dad? Um, It wasn't that I didn't find out he was my dad. I ended up finding out who my dad was because living in the neighborhood, you know, obviously there was, uh, you know, he was married at the time. He so he had, lived across the, street, across the street, was married, and your kids. mom is married, right. four kids. He had four girls, and so again, just like I had a couple of you know fellas in the neighborhood, we all played, and um, again, out playing playing games in the yard, and you know, being a preteen, you know, you start to see girls, and you start to like, like girls, or what have you, and so. And he uh, had four of them. Four of them in the neighborhood, and the odds are, obviously, I was going to like somebody so I started liking one of my sisters and so it got to be like a little you know a little tease that you know Terrell likes Lisa that was one of my sisters and so um, it got back to my dad that that I was liking Lisa and so um, that was when you know uh, he pulled me to the side and you know had that discussion and he basically said that you know you can't like Lisa and so me being an adolescent I'm like I don't why you know he goes Lisa's your sister And so that was, you know, how things kind of unfolded from there. And so um, unbeknownst to me, I don't know if his wife knew about um, him having uh, a son at that time. So um, it got to a point to where I think she had some resentment. You know, she treated me a certain way Mm. um, when I started to come over. And so my grandmother got involved. And so it got to be a little little testy. And so being in the South, you know, my grandmother, she was... Uh, disciplinarian, Um, Mm -hmm. she didn't take any stuff, Uh. and so, um, you know, she saw that, that, you know, I started to have um, some issues, you know, going over there, and she started to have some issues of me being at the house, and so it got to a point to where my grandmother basically had to stand up and say, you know, it's not my fault that I'm here in the world, you know, if Mm -hmm. you need to address anybody, you need to address. So she said that to your dad? uh, And her. And her, so she went over and confronted them. Right. So oh, wow. that, w- that was a point in time where it had to be discussed. And Grandmama so, said, I'm, I'm, a,
0: "I'm ready to deal with this."
2: Right, and so, um, my grandmother is the one who raised me. Wow, um, she passed in 2012 to Alzheimer's, and so, mm. everything that I've done, you know, throughout the course of my career, she's been pretty much, you know, the backbone and mm. my inspiration.
0: Terrell, tell me about your uh, relationship with your mom in the midst of that. Um, and how you've navigated that dynamic over the
2: years. Well, I didn't really understand everything that was going on. I didn't understand, you know, that, again, that, you know, she had me with someone else. He was married. Um, She was working a number of jobs, you know, just to make ends meet. Um, I didn't really understand why I would stay with my grandmother some parts of most of the time, and then I would stay with her uh, some parts of the time and um and then bro you're you're like 10 what 11
0: 12 years mm -hmm. old
2: yep so you
0: can't comprehend any any yeah i can't comprehend
2: any of this and so it wasn't until probably like about i think it was 2014 i did uh a young love show called fix my life Mm -hmm. and i was 39 at the time and that was the first time that i had ever seen my mom and my dad sit longer than you know you know be in the same room like longer than three or four minutes wow so it was an emotional, pretty much roller coaster. Um Iyana Van Zandak don't play. Yeah, she, she, she goes in, she digs in, and I think uh, they reached out to me based on, again, n- my career, yeah, um, understanding who I had become. Um, there was a lot of, I guess, perceptions on who I was. Yeah, um, you know, based on some of the antics and and how I celebrated and things that they and basically yeah. how people perceived me.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, outside of football, uh, yeah. based on what I did. So uh, coming out of, what's the biggest takeaway that you learned
0: about T.O. coming out of the interview in that whole time with your mom and dad in Iyanla? What did you walk away as a 39 year old knowing for sure that you didn't know before?
2: Uh, that's a good question. Um, there was a lot of questions that were were answered, you know, that um, I I always thought of but never mm-hmm. really communicated to my mom and I think yeah. those were questions that were asked of them as well, you mm-hmm. know, as to why they didn't, you know, do certain things at certain yeah. times and you know, sometimes I had to take myself and put try to put myself in my mom's shoes at 16 or 17 years old. Yeah having a kid you know, with an older man who's married yeah. that has an already made family. Um, and we weren't a communicative type of family. Yeah. Um, there wasn't a lot of affection shown in the household. Um, you know, growing up in the South, and I know you've referenced it a lot of times, sometimes in your, in, in your sermons. Um, it's, it's a bit different in, oh, the, yeah, South, in the South, as far yeah, as- I
0: grew up in Mississippi, you grew up in Alabama. Right, as yeah.
2: far as how love is shown. And mm-hmm. so, you know, if you're not in that environment, you grew up in that environment where, you know, love and affection is shown on an everyday basis, then you're, you're gonna tend not to be able to show that,
0: yeah.
2: as, me, as, as far as me con- uh, I'm concerned, in my everyday life, because yeah. it wasn't shown to me. But I knew, looking back on it, you know, she had some, what, what was called tough love. Yeah. Um, I understood that she loved me. She never said, I love you. I never heard her say, I love you, you yeah. know, while she was alive. But I knew that she did love me wow. based on kind of the things that we went through. You know. So you never heard your grandmother say, I love you? No, never heard it. Wow. But, so what I about knew your, that,
0: but you knew she did. Obviously but, she yeah. did. There's no way right. she stands up for you, covers you, provides for you. Right and protects you if she doesn't love you. And
2: and I think, you know, you, you talk about cycles and you know, I, obviously I was raised based on how she was raised. Right. You know, she had a tough upbringing, yeah. you know, picking cotton, you know, obviously going through a lot of things um, in the South. And so um, she was a she was a disciplinarian, um, you know, kind of if you lived under her roof. Uh, you Follow would. her roof. <laughs> exactly. I know
0: that, I know that's life. Right, yeah. exactly. But she gave you what was given to her. Right. And she can't give you anything that she didn't have. So she gave you the tools that she had. So you go from being in a house where probably your primary caregiver, you never Mm -hmm. heard her say I love you, Mm -hmm. to standing in front of tens of thousands of people in the stadium, screaming your
2: name. Right, and she never, my grandmother didn't want me to play sports because she felt like that was a way of me getting in trouble. Uh, She felt like that was a way uh, you, I've heard you say it of getting into development, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> and so um, she 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 didn't allow it. If you weren't in her eyesight, you were doing yeah. something wrong. Yeah. And so it took my mom some convincing to let uh, you get out to to, to let play me ball. play sports. Yeah. And so I, I so I got to play little little bit of little league baseball uh-huh. and basketball and things of that nature. Terrell, um, when did, she, the when did you realize to... that you were good at it? Um. I never really, I, I didn't realize I was good at it until probably, God, maybe sometime in my college, uh, my se- maybe my second year in college. Really. Yeah, but let me go back to I know we we, we all go, over the place. No, but you, th- you you mentioned disappointment. So yes, yeah, yes. Disappointment. Yes. Um, there were times, obviously, Christmas came came around, and so when I started to, you know, when I figured out who my dad was, you know, um, like I said, my mom like I said worked odd jobs. She was a seamstress, so she did that on the side to make, you know, make ends meet. Mm -hmm. We lived in a town um, called Alexander City, Alabama, where Russell Corporation um, was located. And Russell Corporation was a textile uh, company where Mm -hmm. it made, at that point in time, they made all the jerseys from baseball, basketball, NFL, Mm -hmm. college, or what have you. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had several different divisions in our town where pretty much 80 to 90 percent of the town worked. Yeah. And so, come Christmas time, you know, you you want things or what have you. And so there were things where I wanted for Christmas and then, you you know, I asked my mom for certain things, my grandmother for certain things. And then I would ask my dad for certain things. And even, you know, school year, you know, you want clothes and shoes and, you know, they couldn't afford everything. So I would ask, you know, I kind of go ask my mom or my, my mom for like 20, 40 bucks my uh-huh. grandmother for 24. Piece it together right yeah, to yeah. just to uh, afford you know some yeah. of the name brand stuff but you know going back to, to the Christmas holidays, things like that, you want things for Christmas. So there were things that I'd asked him for Christmas He said he would get for me Christmas came and they weren't there. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of like my first experience wow. kind of with disappointment. Wow.
0: How did you how did you invite God into that? How did your how did that affect your faith in God? Tell me how you cuz how did you navigate that? Because bro, that's huge. And how do you recover from disappointment? How do you navigate that?
2: Um, I think my grandmother, she was uh she was in the she was always in the church. And so that's that was how I got introduced to God. I mean, you know, in the South, you know, they got things going on through the course every, of the week.
0: Every day of the week, you got choir rehearsal, usher, Hersher, choir, yeah, usher day, usher, Me, exactly. all that stuff, Doc, yes. Monday group, through Friday yeah, Monday through, uh, through Friday. Sunday, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. there
2: was always something. And so, you know, whether you wanted to go to church or not, you oh, were going. You were going. And right. you was going to have on a button-down shirt You're gonna and look a tie. Nice. You're, You're going to look, look nice. good, Yeah. yeah Which exactly. I like
0: that part. I still like looking it's, good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's
2: so funny. Like, people, sometimes I've kind of gotten a little bit lax coming to service, but I mean I still sometimes I'll dress up and yeah. you know, just part of the culture. Kind of how we, how we grew up. Grew up. And yeah. So people's like, Man, you are dressed really, really nice. Right. But you know, I see people coming, you know, shorts, you know, they're very oh, it's like, a different world. But I get yeah. come as you are, right, whatever, right, But in the South, it was one of those things. Just suited and booted, maybe. Right, right. Yeah. Sunday's best. So that's 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 when I was all you know, that's when I was introduced to to, to, to God and, and, and faith and always would like I said, I'm a product of my environment, so I would always be sitting somewhere in the house or somewhere in earshot distance. If you know my grandmother's on the phone with her brothers and sisters, and they're mm. always talking about church, mm. so I would be sort of ear hustling. Mm. I really didn't have a choice, right, right. But she would always be discussing, you know, yeah. different things uh, yeah. on the phone.
0: Your um, your drive, like even now, like we were just talking about you running these hills. You're on Instagram running up sand hills. Mm-hmm. Uh, 40, how old are you, 40? 44. 44, mm-hmm. still cut, look like you're 19, I'm 40. <laughs> I look like I could be your daddy sitting over here. I, I wanna go run a hill right now. This, this is ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Your drive is, um, is, is, I think is legendary. Um, do you think there's a connection between the disappointment you experienced as a young boy and the drive that you have as an adult, as an athlete, your time in the NFL, do you think that contributed and fueled your drive?
2: Um, probably so, because I think I, I realized that nothing- By the was, way, there's somewhere,
0: a therapist is somewhere saying,
2: uh yes, <laughs> duh. Right. Um, nothing was ever given to me. Mm. And, and and I always, you know, um, heard my grandmother say, you know, if you want to do something, you got to do it yourself. You can't expect someone else to do it for you. Mm. And so, um, you know, I was, had a similar path as Jerry Rice, who's the greatest receiver of all time. He went to a small school, Mississippi Valley State. Yes. Um,
0: the swack. Yes. Right.
2: Um, uh, the, the difference between Jerry and I is that he always dreamed as a little kid and his dad kind of molded him to be the receiver that he became. Hmm. Um, he had that fire to be the best receiver or want to play that position. Wow. Me, I considered myself an athlete. No matter whatever I did, I was going to put my best foot forward. I was going to put the best effort in and i think that's what's uh so difficult about kids this these days is that they don't want to put in the effort you mm-hmm. know and for me some of my message sometimes to kids and if i can give a kid a message anybody can do anything you want to but effort should be effortless yeah you know what i mean effort should be effortless that is it doesn't take much to do something
0: Put in the effort. Right. And yeah. so
2: for me, uh, when I reflected back on my the course of my career, especially within the last six years or so, um, trying to you know get back into the league mm-hmm. um, and just sat back and realized what I've done, understanding that I never thought I would play beyond the collegiate level. So you never thought you'd go to the NFL? No, never. never, Not even, no. No earthly idea. Mm. Um, the only reason I, I went to college because they're, the, the guy, I went to UT Chattanooga the recruiter, they they came down to our school and they was recruiting the receiver um, on our high school team. Hmm. And so... So
0: they didn't even come to look at you. They was looking at the high school team. Right.
2: School. They were looking at... At your uh, teammate. At, at my teammate, Derek Hall. And so um, I remember the recruiter's name is Bobby Jones, And um, he was going through the film and watching him and he saw me make a few plays here and there. Huh. And so what really, I guess, caught their eye was really kind of, you know, the, the measure, the obvious it was my, my height, you know, my size, um, I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't say that I was a, a speedy guy by any means, um, but it was something about whatever they saw, um, where they kind of basically just added me with him, and so it was sort of like a package deal. So
0: like, throw throw Terrell in.
2: Right, and yeah. so I... They had, almost
0: did that with me in high school, too, <laughs> but I was like, I don't know, but they saw my height, and my size. they was like, man, that, but I was like, no, nah, I'm not interested, I want to go be in the choir. Right, right, we uh, see
2: how that worked out. Right, 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 right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So I went to UT Chattanooga. I had no earthly idea where I was going. I, I've, I've done a couple of uh, books or what have you. And in the book, I basically explained to people that I thought I was going to UT Knoxville. To, I, I thought I was going to the Tennessee Vols. So you didn't even know where you was going. I had no idea. Like, <laughs> I knew my, the thing is my family couldn't afford to put me through school. And that yeah. was my only means of, of getting an education. And so I took, you know, uh, took upon the uh, the opportunity that they gave me. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, like I said, I just thought it was just a way to just to get through school, you know. Um, and I played football, they offered me a scholarship. And my, my, my passion, my love was for basketball. Hmm. So we weren't really that good in, in, you know, in football. So out of four years, you know, we played 11 games a year, so a total of 44. Um, we only won 13 games. Oh, wow. And so After my freshman year, I wanted to play on the basketball team, but the coach that we had at the time, he wouldn't allow guys that if he recruited you to play football, he wouldn't allow you to play in sports. So unfortunately for him, but fortunate for me, he got fired. The next coach came in. So again, the next year came and we still didn't make the playoffs or anything. Had a terrible record, terrible season. I go into the office of the head coach and I asked him if I could walk on the basketball team. And he basically looked at me, he goes, what do you mean and, like i want to try out for the basketball team and so they had the the school had open tryouts for any of the students that you know guys that want to try out as a walk-on and so i was one of those guys as well as derek who was that that team, teammate, teammate from high school yeah he tried out too nobody made it but me so i go to say that so my i asked my coach if i could play and he goes well you know that the guys that they 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 recruit they recruited to play basketball right? And I'm like, yes, sir. And so he was like, all right, he's like, if you can make our basketball team, he goes, that'll tell me what type of ath- athlete you are. Hmm. So there was a number of guys that tried out and for whatever reason, I made it. Wow. So did you end up playing basketball and football? Mm-hmm. So I played three years of uh, basketball as well.
0: Wow. Yep. So you said you realized that you were good the second year,
2: probably my second year, yeah, my second year uh, playing football. My first year, um, again, like I said, I didn't play very much. Um, I was still skinny, scrawny. Um, and then I played scout team for our number one defense throughout the course of the season. So we we basically ran the offensive plays for our number one defense. So I played the receiver, obviously. And so that's where I started kind of to develop my catching skills and running routes because I wasn't playing. Just doing scrimmage. Right. So then I would just start – I was just catching the ball left and right on our defense. And the defensive coordinator, they were getting mad because (laughs) nobody could cover me. And they weren't preventing me from catching the ball. Where's
0: the offensive receiver coach? Why is he out there saying, hey, come over here and play
2: well, I mean, they had guys that were starting. Like I said, the guy that went to high school with, he was starting, and he was and the, still he was the, still better than you at that time. Yeah, all these guys, they were better than me at the time. So
0: how in the world did you end up in the NFL?
2: What happened? God is good. God is good. I mean, like you said, you know, I think always uh, God has a path uh, for for different people. Like, like your story is crazy. Like you can see as you look back over your life.
0: From disappointment, God strategically placing you in places and positions to advance you. When you had none of the stats, none of the, none of the, the no, no, nobody assumed that you would be great at any of this stuff. No, even the coach walking, let's go walk in, and if you can walk on, walk on, and you end up being the only guy that walks on, and you're playing uh, scrimmage for the defensive team, catching balls, yeah, and and you end up in the NFL. When does it flip? When do they come see you, and when do you start talking about the draft?
2: Um, my second year, Let's uh, fast forward to my uh, my well, my freshman year. Like I said, I got a I got a chance to play toward the end of the season. Uh-huh. You know, by this time at the end of the season, we we, we didn't have a great record, and so you know they're starting. To, the coaches are starting to look toward next year. Yeah. So that's when they put me.
0: Let's put in the bench. Yeah. yeah
2: then they start they put me in and give gave me a chance to play mm-hmm. so my first game I get to play we play I think we were playing in marshall um, got my first little bit of playing time mm-hmm. um, I remember I caught a scene pass or something and I caught the ball the, the safety of somebody hit me under my uh, under my shoulder pass I break my collarbone wow so that was like eighth and ninth game in the season so I was like one or two games uh, too far into the season to where I couldn't get a r- red shirt Mm. So, freshman year basically down the drain, gone. So, um, I think at that point they, they were looking to redshirt me but again, like I said, they kind of put me in just to kind of see what I could do and then, like I said, too far gone to, to get a medical redshirt. shirt. Mm. So, um, go into the summer, um, I lift weights, um, do everything that the college strength and conditioning coach asked me to do, I go home uh, for the summer and then that's when I started to really hit the weights. Um, I did my college workout and I did my high school workout. So I basically was doing like two a days. Just why? Because I needed, to, after what I saw and I witnessed that I wasn't getting playing time, and that's how it was in, in high school as well. I was always good enough to catch the coach's eye, but not good enough to play. And so it got to that point and I was having this thing in my mind. I'm like, man, I don't wanna continue to just be on the bench, be just on the team. I wanna be involved. I wanna be an integral part of the team. I wanna be one of those guys to bring people to the seats and they wanna come see want to come see you play. Right. I, I mean, I got to see guys, you know, on the defensive side, make big plays, interceptions, tackles. I got to see, you know, guys on the offensive end, running back, score touchdown, make big moves. You and saw him
0: winning, and you was like, I want to be that guy. But I'm
2: sitting on the sideline yeah. observing. Yeah. This is pretty much my story. Like, in yeah. junior high, high school, and I'm like, man, I got to do something to get to that next level. Yeah. So that was my motivation. Is Not that,
0: only that, Terrell, but I, I want to see the parallel uh, because we're talking about football, but we're really talking about life. Life. Yeah, I know, I get it. Because at home, you are yeah. also on the sideline, mm-hmm. in many ways, um, doing your thing. But, but no one's giving you a lot of attention in a sense of, compared to other situations and other things. I, I just think it's something significant there. Right. Um, although. It sounds like your grandmother was a loving, she sound like my grandmama. Uh, I don't even want to know how many whoopings you got. Uh, oh, man.
2: But, <laughs> but, it, oh, but it's... Oh, man, she's... Uh, man, the way, I mean, you talk talking about... Like a
0: hard coach ain't got nothing on a grandmama. Man,
2: what? You know, they talk about <laughs> child abuse and... For, oh, yeah. Oh, my grandma would have been in jail. What? Been in jail. Man, she rolling over Bottles, in her grave pots, right
0: now. switches. Man, belts. I oh, mean, man. Have you ever had to go pick your own switch? What? Oh, yes. Go outside. Some people
2: don't even know what that means. Oh, like, yeah. go get a switch. They was like, what? Like,
0: what is a switch? I'm now, talking fact, we probably shouldn't even talk about it. They may call the authorities in California. You know, they call enough. HR only. Right, it. right.
2: I'm talking <laughs> about switches. I'm wow. talking about not one. Wow. Go get two. Oh, no. And you and it, twist and them together. Switch them together.
0: <laughs> yes, oh, yes, oh, man. yes. And, it,
2: and you, I really think about this sometimes. Like, I had to go sometimes for my, my sister and brother, I had to go get a switch for them. For them. Uh-huh. And if it ain't big enough, Oh
0: you you gonna you going to get away? so if you go and let me get this little one live. <laughs> well, if they if that switch break oh
2: uh, uh, you in trouble jack So how I did so it get I don't even know why I would do this like I would go get the switches make sure it's nice size uh-huh. braid it up and then just you know you take the leaves off uh-huh. and leave the little two or three leaves at the top <laughs> <laughs> to make it look good I don't know why I did that <laughs> Cuz it's going uh,
0: right. it like, to anyway. come off anyway <laughs> I, but I think there's a um Man, there's a theme with your life, and I think it's significant, what you did with disappointment and how it gave you this, there's this drive that you have that had you doing high school workout and your college stuff, and no one made it. I mean, no one expected you to do it. No one expected you to win. Very, exactly. And I think,
2: you know, I know we're going to get to it at some point, but, you know, we spoke about this prior to the cameras rolling, is that, you know, there's a lot of controversy on my decision, you know, to, to do my Hall of Fame speech in, in, in Chattanooga versus Canton. Yeah. And, and, and part of that reason is because nobody understands what, I, what I've had to endure to get and achieve what I've done. And yeah. for them to put people in position um, that ultimately decides my fate, um, that has never played the game, and the hall of fame try to disconnect themselves uh, from that um, i know that you know i have a voice i have a platform to to make a change yeah and so that's kind of you know where i am you well, know, that, well like i that. mean
0: well let's talk a little bit about that so you go and i, I got some stats here because i don't know nothing about you remember <laughs> the first time we met i asked you what team you played for so yeah. I, I don't know nothing well, about Well, at football. that time
2: like i said i, I mean I, I don't think i was playing for any
0: No, no, no. We were talking for, about past times. But let, let's talk about the Hall of Fame deal. So right. um, went to Tennessee. Tennessee, uh, Chattanooga. Yeah, then you then have I to specify. Oh, because, Chattanooga, right. Cause cause Tennessee, like Chattanooga.
2: When you say Tennessee, people think Tennessee balls. Oh,
0: got it, you know I mean? got it, got it. Well, so, you thought you was going.
2: Well, I, yeah, I did too.
0: <laughs> um, but you was in Chattanooga right. and loved it, had a oh, great yeah, experience. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, third round draft pick in 1996 yep 89th pick um, I did some individual workouts um, uh-huh. prior to the draft in 96 and so um, so you were the 89th pick mm-hmm. and so the thing was so so crazy about this is that when I tell you like I really had no idea that I would play beyond the collegiate level I didn't even it was it didn't even register hmm. what I could do hmm. and what I was about to do is because the PR uh, at the time, they they didn't want me to play basketball because they were afraid that I was gonna get hurt. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, who's to say that I'm gonna play football? That's they right. n- wasn't really on my radar. You didn't think. So they basically said, you know, like, you have a chance. They were like, dude, you have a chance to play in the nas- in the NFL. And I'm like, well, you know, going back to my, my grandmother's like, just relying on faith and, she, and my thing was, if it's meant for me to play football, it'll happen. You know, if it's so, in God's hands, it's it's in. I'm putting it in God's hands. It's, if it's in the cards, so for me you're to play just gonna trust God. Yeah, absolutely. So but I didn't so, forego my senior year to play basketball. You played just, basketball your senior year. Mm, I played three years. And so they I, were like,
0: "Boy, you gonna mess up your shot to right. go in the drive?" And you were like, "Hey."
2: Because basketball was my passion. Was that was my passion. love. So did you realize how good you were in football? No, I didn't. I it, I didn't know until you know that's crazy, right? Because everyone
0: sees you dancing in the stands, right? Get your popcorn, all
2: this stuff, and you didn't even realize that you were that good. No, I, I didn't. Um, like I said, I was inspired. I was motivated uh, a lot from just not being as good as I I wanted to be, or the coaches, you know, assess me to be. Yeah. Um, like I said, you know, even on playing basketball, I mean, I was probably like that. 12th, 13th, to 14th guy on the team, on the bench. I never and here really And you practiced. are a
0: future Hall of Famer and you out there shooting jump shots and layups. They like, if you don't get out of here and go run some sprints, go run the 40.
2: Yep, so I played, like I said, my, my senior year, I, I played basketball. Um, again, that was probably like the best time of my career in Chattanooga, is playing basketball. I mean, I got a chance. That's
0: crazy. They
2: rewarded me just for my hard work and I think that was a testament you know, if I look back on my career, it really showed that you know anything is possible if you put forth the the, the effort mm-hmm. and you and you really. Um, I, I have something where I call the three Ds. That's desire, dedication, and discipline. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a desire to do or be something, um, but you have to in order to get to that next level. Uh, when I assess my career based on where I've you know my, my where I've been and where I've gone, um, and you look at Jerry Rice and you know, being the greatest receiver of all time. Yeah. Um, my desire was there, but in order to, to get to that next level, um, there had to be dedication and there had to be discipline. Mm. And so I dedicated myself and I had to discipline myself and discipline, what discipline is, is a sacrifice. I wasn't a big drinker or anything like that, but um, once I, you know, found a personal trainer and he kind of basically taught me how to, to live, worked out on, you know, work on certain things Position specific as, as it relates to being a receiver, um, but being knowledgeable about the body and educating myself on nutrition and how to take care of my body, wow. that took my game, took to, another game le- to, another level. to another level.
0: Third round draft pick, top three receivers of all time, uh, third all time receiving touchdowns, second all time receiving yards behind Jerry Rice, eighth all time in, in receptions, uh, played for the Niners, Eagles, Cowboys, Bills, Bengals, and the, um, the Allen Wranglers of the indoor uh, football right. league. Um, you get elected to the Hall of Fame and you're the first guy to say no to speaking at the ceremony. Why would you not go after all the years of all the hard work and all the investment and give that speech at the ceremony?
2: Um, I think when you look at the process and the Hall of Fame they have a system in place. Um, They have bylaws in place. Um, They have criteria in which each athlete is inducted. And so um, when I got overlooked the first time um, they they brought up a lot of things as it relates to my character. So let's
0: go back because they they vote and they do ballots, right? right? Right. um and you got you went up you were available you had all the credentials yeah, to the be fir-
2: to be a first ballot hall of Famer. to be a
0: first ballot hall right. of famer
2: and i think you know everybody looking at the statistics and as i mentioned just 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 mentioned there's a system in place there are bylaws in place Right. there are criteria and you met all of those i met i met all of those so why didn't you get why didn't you get voted in on the first ballot things in which they over they overlooked my body of work, they overlooked my accomplishments, and they created this narrative um, that was created by 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 the media that I had character issues. Hmm. Um, I've never been involved with any criminal activity, um, no domestic violence, no nothing.
0: And there are guys who've been voted in that with I, all of those things that you mentioned. All of those things. Never done any of those things, but then
2: you were, given an opportunity, a second ballot, right? So the second year comes along. So I I, I'm like, okay, if that's what you guys want to, uh, if that's the story that you want to tell is that I had some issues or I argued with some, I had some arguments with some teammates or some coaches or some players said that I was a bad teammate. First of all, no player has ever come out and said that I was a bad teammate. Um, There's been a long list of guys that have come out and said, no, I was nothing but a great teammate. But understanding media over the course of my career, understanding what they've done, is that they've defamed my character. And this is this is the narrative that they've gone with that I was a bad teammate. Yeah. And so that's something that I feel like I will always defend is my character and my name. Yeah. And so again, basically they've lied on who they think I am as yeah. a person based on media portrayal. So people,
0: I think, um, people think that this is a decision that I don't know if they think you made it lightly or that you didn't think about it or no, you didn't absolutely. process it. No, what I, I mean, think I've is profound and what I don't think people realize is the day before, uh, no, minutes before, you made the call to them to tell them that you weren't coming to the ceremony, uh, you called me on the phone right. for us to pray together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's the stuff about your heart that people don't see. It was such a burden on you, it was such a big decision right. You said I want to pray, and I remember your words so clearly because I I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know the hall of I I was every like, time I call you, happening? you're in
2: the airport, <laughs> right? You're, tra- you're traveling, so
0: but we we got on the phone and you were like, man, I just want the is it the commissioner or who is it? The president, the president, the president of the hall pre- of fame. fame. You mm-hmm. about to he was about to call you, and you just said, I want him to hear my heart. Right. I don't want I don't want him to think that I'm being disrespectful. Mm-hmm. I don't want him to think that I'm I think I'm above it. But really at the core, what I heard you saying is that I feel like I've been disrespected in a deep way. And I really wanna share this moment with people who have believed in me and who supported me authentically. And you would almost feel hypocritical to be standing there in Canton, knowing that many of those guys haven't supported you or haven't believed in you or haven't gotten your heart. You've been misread.
2: Yeah, and, and as you said, I mean, David, he's the president and like I said, I. I went back, uh, I went to Canton along with Brian Erlacher and Brian Dawkins, who was a teammate of mine in Philadelphia. And we sat in a room for like 45 minutes to an hour. And that's where he basically told us and expressed to us kind of what the Hall of Fame represented, what Canton represented, what the Hall of Famers uh, meant. Uh, he gave us the mission statement uh, surrounding mm-hmm. the Hall of Fame. He gave us the vision um, in which Uh, the Hall of Fame was established. And so I I sat there in that room and I was very hesitant to go, but a friend of mine uh, encouraged me to go. Um, He goes, man, you're making a mistake. He said, you may have a change of heart because the decision, like I said, is unprecedented and nobody's ever done it. And it's not not something that I'm trying to, uh, I'm doing to say I'm the first to ever do it, but I'm like, okay, like I said, I felt more disrespected um, and as it relates to my body of work and my accomplishment, yeah. as these guys, the Hall of Fame appointed, they overlooked, and that was really, uh, really the message that I want to get across to a lot of people is that the Hall of Fame. I mentioned to David, I'm like, I felt disrespected, and he's his response was, "We as the Hall of Fame, we don't have a vote." He said, "The Hall of Famers, we don't have, they don't have a vote," and so I said, "I said, well, David, I have a problem with that because." I listened for an hour with my other inductees, my other classmates, and I said, everything that you said that the Hall of Fame represents, you guys are the ones that appoint these writers. That is never, they, they haven't played the game not once. They don't understand the blood and sweat and tears that have gone into my craft, other guys' craft, mm. the past, the present, and the future uh, of the game. Um, and so I said that's why I'm declining my invitation because there's a disconnect because those guys that you appoint as writers that ultimately decide the fate of guys that are being nominated inducted into the Hall of Fame they should they should be in alignment and they should adhere to those same values that you mentioned in that room. Yeah
0: you know what I what I see man um, as a personal friend and as your pastor, what brings me joy is that, you're fighting for you, and um, I think about the 12-year-old kid that experienced that disappointment. Absolutely. I think about you having the criteria and doing the work, but not getting on the ballot twice. And I see that 12-year-old kid now saying, "You know what? I'm gonna get people that love me. I'm gonna get people that believed in me, and we're gonna celebrate and party with people that get what I that get who I am and who I'm trying to be." In that respect and understand my craft and my drive and me and i feel like it's a it's a it's a culmination of what god has been doing in your life throughout your whole journey moving you from disappointment to now the fruit of desire dedication and discipline
2: yeah and as a, as a, as an as a adolescent as a teenager um i was picked on i was teased um, these are things that that I endured that I never really talked about. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, I grew up in the projects. Um, I know what it's like to, to be on welfare, things yeah. of that nature. Because Tio, all we see, all we see by and large
0: is just you turning up on the field.
2: Well, I mean that's that's what media does. I mean, yeah, that's what they, that's what they do. They yeah. highlight. Um, but but to to be
0: fair, you were one of the best turn up kings on the field in the history of football. Like you knew how to party on the field, and it inspired people. Um, and I, and and, I mean, it, it rubbed people the wrong way, and, and he's arrogant. But I feel like and there's a difference
2: between arrogance and and, and confidence,
0: especially and when cockiness. you hear you you didn't even believe that you was good. You didn't even know right. you was gonna be be yeah. there. You probably just out there shocked as everybody else when you was catching the ball and out there dancing. It's like whoa. God gave me these big old hands for a reason.
2: I mean, everything kind of just unfolded, you know, uh, kind of before my eyes. And yeah. I just took advantage of every opportunity that, yeah. that was that was given, you know, given to me. And so mm-hmm. uh, I just tried to maximize and make the most of it.
0: Yeah. Terrell, you still look good. Your hands are still, I mean, you got some massive hands, doctor. I, <laughs> I, you should do a bust of your hands. I know, uh, right? Uh, forget yeah. the bust of the head. Right. Man, you still—I heard you talking about playing in Canada. The um, there's there's
2: rumors. Uh, like I said, uh, Julio Jones, who who plays with Atlanta Falcons now, um, he reached out to me uh, probably over about, maybe about a couple of months ago, and um, he said that you know he was going to be working out. And um, like I said, he's from Alabama. Uh-huh. I'm from Alabama. He uh-huh. went to University of Alabama, and so uh, he reached out and said he wanted to train. And so. You know, a lot of people have asked me about being personal trainer. I'm pretty sure I could probably charge and things of that nature to do it, um, do fitness stuff. But um, again, I've always given back, you know, yeah. and I never really uh, really understood the impact that I've made throughout yeah. the course of my career until, again, working out independently uh, over the last five to six years, working out with guys during the course of the summer. Yeah, And that was when I realized, like, man, I really made an impact on our youth, yeah. and people, and I've inspired guys. Because these
0: guys are calling you saying, "Tio, help me out." And yeah, train, and not just Julio,
2: and... but I mean, even guys in high school, that yeah, in like, I mean, college, even guys that have played in the, uh, in the CFL or what have you. Um, and you're got... not
0: standing on the sideline with a whistle; you' out there working out with these guys, right? Probably Absolutely. wearing them out a little bit.
2: Absolutely. So I mean, I mean, I I love it. I still can do it. Yeah. Um, and again, I, that that's what's so unfortunate about about my career is that. I wasn't able to walk away from the game uh, on my own terms. And, you know, we mentioned the character things, and and that's how the media has portrayed me as if I I really had issues. Um, There's a number of guys that have had arguments, disagreements with either their teammates, coaches, or what have you. But for whatever reason, uh, it was magnified. Yeah. And like I said, I know I'll be the first to say if I was a bad teammate or not. Yeah. But the storyline out there that I'm a bad teammate, that's just totally false, it's untrue. Yeah. And that's what these writers used to prevent me from getting in, not the first time, but the second time as well. Mm. And then obviously Randy goes up, and Randy's a good friend of mine. Um, when you talk about antics and things of that nature, you talk. I mean, everybody has mentioned some of the things that he's done compared to what I've done, but he gets in on the first time, and it took me three times. Yeah. So that tells you that there's a flawed system there. Yeah. And so again, you know, like I said, nothing against uh, Randy at all. Randy at all. We we kind of motivated each other from afar because mm-hmm. we played during the same era. So, yeah. um, you know, we we talked when we when we made the, the Hall of Fame and. Uh, we've expressed how we admired each other from afar, and yeah. you know we kind of kept in, you know, kind of kept tabs on each other. Yeah. So we competed. Yeah. Um, and people now, you know, they still think they think that we had beef, but we never did. I mean, I never really knew him to have beef.
0: Yeah. And y'all too big to be having beef. Beef between y'all—that's <laughs> that's some scary no, beef. No, but I mean,
2: what you know, it's, it's you know, it's we both used, uh, you know, our abilities and and what we did on the football as as, as motivation yeah. and inspiration to. Yeah you know, kind of one-up each other. Yeah, so, you yeah. know, I, I mean, talking to him, it was refreshing that, you know, he, he would, you know, check the highlights and see what I did, and he yeah. would try to go out and do better than that. Wow. And so, like I said, I never really thought too much of it. Yeah. Um, Jerry, I played with the greatest receiver of all time. So yeah. um, I watched him, um, you know, I sat and locker was right next to him. Wow. Um, coming out of college, like I said, I never even, like I said, thought I was going to be, Playing beyond the collegiate level, and so there was a magazine um, that came out, and it had me and Jerry Rice on both pages, big pictures, and the top of the the title was "Diamond in the Rough." Mm. And so, um, again, it, like I said, we we have some eerily similar uh, yeah, yeah,
0: a lot of parallels, mm-hmm. man. According to those diamonds <laughs> in your ears, they ain't in the rough no more. <laughs> the diamonds no. are cleaned off. What do you want your legacy to be, man? What do you want to be remembered for, T.M.?
2: Um I you know, I think now man it's me just really standing up for for what I believe in yeah. you know and I know I uh, went to uh, a service um, a couple of weeks ago and uh, the guy was talking about comfort and convictions yeah and so and I think that's 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 where I am right now I'm comfortable in my skin I'm comfortable with the decision that I've made yeah um I think you said it uh, you know you couldn't have said it any better yeah. this is where I know I feel um, I'm very much so respected. Yeah. Um, I'm well loved, yeah. and I could have. I'm not a political guy. Yeah. I mean, I could have easily probably set my pride aside and just go there, just just for the for we'll the heck make of it. Everybody comfortable, right? Yeah. But I knew I know me personally. I wasn't going to be happy there. Yeah, you know, and so I'm not a phony person. I think anybody that knows me, they know I'm not that way. Um, I'm kind of an open book, but kind of hard to read, so to speak.
0: Well, man, I think, you, with the disappointments you've had in your life that you've been vulnerable about, with that kind of disappointment, you you deserve to be celebrated in a way that's meaningful for you.
2: Absolutely, wow. and, and again, a lot of people, like I said, I listen, you know, you know, we as athletes, I mean, I know we are like, oh, we don't pay attention to the media, blah, blah, blah. But we do, you know. Oh, uh, I you, know you pay attention, Doc. Yeah, yeah, just like LeBron has said it, you know, but, you know, you, you'll see, him or, you know, athletes respond to certain people or, yeah. or what have you in you know, some subtle ways. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I've been I, I've been the same way. Um, yeah. and, and I think, you know, for me this is this is this is a way of me really, you know, giving back and thanking the people that helped me get to get me where I am. That's good. Uh, today. And so a lot of people I've heard a lot of the dialogue about, you know, I should use Canton's uh, platform that stage to 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 basically tell all the haters and the critics and the naysayers, you know where to go or whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, but I'm like, you know, um, you know, Roland Martin texted me. He's like, man, you know, you need to speak power to truth or whatever. You. you need to be on that stage to say what you want to say. And I told him, I, I my response was, I'm gonna be on the stage. It's just not gonna be on their stage. Mm-hmm. And so again, yeah, I'm using this, uh, you know, obviously the platform that I have. And we're in an era now where. Sometimes you know over the course of the years we've been silenced. Yeah, a lot of people have been afraid to voice and stand up for themselves Yeah, Um, even as a kid, you know, there was a point in time where I was I was I was afraid I was scared to stand up for myself Mm -hmm. Um, And now I'm I'm in a position of power. Uh, I know I can reach a number of people Stand
0: up and speak for yourself. Exactly. And 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 this
2: will be uh, the moment where again, you know unbeknownst to them that I will be able to think thank um you know and, and acknowledge the people that have helped me get yeah. to get me to where i am and like i said i, I didn't get where i am by myself yeah and right. i understand that
0: that's good man we do a little something that we call question of the day you know we do this at the church um and it's a uh, fire wrap it round. last row i just want to ask you some questions Uh <laughs> and you just got to answer some of them are deep some of them are lightweight you know what i mean so you ready? Quick questions, you know what I mean? You're a preacher, you can talk a long time. So just quick little question, all right? Quick answer. Okay. You ready? <laughs> all right. If you could join any musical ensemble in the history, in history, which would it be? Ensemble? Any musical band? Mm-hmm. Uh, New edition. New edition. Every little step? Every little step right there. Oh! You you will be be all right, okay. None of this, Kiki, do you love, no, D-lady. not that. <laughs> oh, you got it right in. All right, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> What's something that everyone else loves that you think is overrated?
2: That uh, everybody
0: loves that's overrated? You know, there are people that are watching that will say, T.O., uh, but... ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I say, people love that's overrated? Yeah, like people are all about it, and you're like, eh, I don't see what the big deal is.
2: Uh, probably soccer.
0: Soccer? As, as as if you don't have enough enemies. I, I'm just saying. <laughs> the World Cup just happened.
2: I know, but I don't, yeah, but I... I, I, I totally feel you. It's the it's hard. It's like, like I don't get it. I don't, like, yeah. I understand that it's, over in Europe like the culture of soccer it's huge. Yeah. It's just like American football over there. Right. right. And our American football is like yeah. like it is over there. Yeah. Yeah. But I just you just don't get it. I don't I don't get it. I don't yeah. not that I don't I don't dislike you respect it. respect it. I know don't I respect don't, don't have it. Yeah, don't, you ain't got to try to clean it, it all up. Don't
0: hate me. Up. I'm just saying. Oh, just, they gonna hate you <laughs> they love to hate you, but it's all good. What other profession would you consider pursuing if you weren't basketball? Uh, basketball. Yeah. You you weren't good enough to accept it. No, I was not, good
2: enough. I just you didn't NBA
0: did not call you. They didn't. I Them hands are too big. But I can I can still I can play. You though. still got it, huh? I can play. And you also, I mean, you your drive is gonna you gonna be seventy years old running hills talking about. My
2: thing is, if I if I would have been given the same opportunity to play basketball, I probably would have been. As successful because oh Lord. you, but, but you, you, you know athletes, why, y'all are so competitive. But you, but you know why I say that? Because I already have a passion to play the game. You had a passion. So right. So just think if, just like you you brought Jerry, the skill to the passion. Right. Yeah. So yeah. this was something that was totally unexpected for me that I developed uh, a love and, and You heard it, for. folks.
0: He would have been in the NBA doing this thing. I probably would have. And yeah. you believe it. But no, that's no doubt. That's what gives you the drive. That's what makes you TO. Um, what's something that you're. Uh, that you're bummed that you're still bad at? Like, man, I'm mad I'm still bad at that. Mm. You can say basketball. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not gonna <laughs> say that.
2: Um, probably communication. Communication, yeah, yeah. I'm working on it. And, yeah. you know, having, um, you know, I, I wasn't in a, I've only had like, played two to three real relationships. But my last two, it was very indicative on what it, what I lacked, and yeah. what I should be doing. Yeah. Especially the last relationship. In the communication. And that was communication. And again, it all goes back to how your I was raised, and your, and my product was. of my environment. Because yeah. my grandmother didn't allow us to do anything, so we basically just sat in the
0: house. Did you apologize to her for not being able to communicate well this last relationship?
2: Um, no, but we discussed it, and I think she realized. Look at your camera and tell her you're sorry. Carrie, first of all. Whoa, whoa, I wanted to say I wasn't gonna say no names. No, I'm just first of all say like, Carrie, congratulations <laughs> oh on your God. marriage. But I apologize for my lack of communication. That's really not my fault.
0: <laughs> okay. I don't know you go I know you gonna say a name. Hey no, Carrie. No, congrats. It's, good. it's mean, all yeah. good. All right. All right. See, we go. I
2: mean you have to be in order to to move <laughs> on. You can't harbor any heart uh, right, feelings. You're right. I'm happy for her. It's They're all saying. good. Hey, you just helped the ratings
0: of my podcast. I think this is great. Yeah, I'm um
2: you've helped me tremendously.
0: We've worked it out. Okay. What is something that you used to say that you don't say anymore?
2: Uh, something I used to say. I uh, don't say anymore. Uh, you still kind of say everything. Hmm. Uh, um, I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, yeah. something I used to say that I don't say anymore. Mm.
0: Hey, the other answer was so know. good, I'll skip that one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't
2: know. I don't it know. was
0: so good on the other one. I don't know. All right, here's a good one. What's something that you pray about a lot, but you don't talk about a lot? Um, so you pray about this often, but you don't talk about it often.
2: Probably uh, being more family-oriented. Hmm. Um, again, understanding how I grew up and not being as close um, when I was younger, but you know, obviously having a better relationship yeah. um, with my family and my kids.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. That's really good. Um, when was the last time you had to say I'm sorry?
2: Mm, not too long ago. I mean I've, I've I realized now that you know you have to be able to be accountable. For for your actions, yeah, um, and you know, there comes times where, yeah, if you do something wrong or if you hurt someone's feeling, even if it's not intentional,
0: yeah,
2: um, you make someone feel a certain way, then it's okay to say I'm sorry.
0: Uh, I think you're ready for that next relationship, bro. Listen to you, that I that mean, sound
2: like you working some stuff out. There's, I mean, there's, it's, it's a growth, it's a uh, growth, process. yeah. You know what I mean, it's a maturation process. Uh,
0: here's a good one for you. What is something that is often most misunderstood about you?
2: Um, probably that, that I'm, I'm arrogant. I'm cocky. And again, like I said, people only know me based on what they've heard or what they have read. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people, once they've sat down and they've talked to me, you know, over 20 to 30 minutes, then, and I get it all the time. I'm even, I've even walked into business meetings and people are blown away because they expect something based on what they've heard or they've seen, they've seen on the football, like highlights or clips or what have you. Um, Outside of those lines, when I'm not in competition mode or competitiveness, um, I'm pretty reserved. You know, kind of just, yeah. I'm really laid back. And that's not, always been my nature. Uh, not
0: arrogant or cocky, but you are confident.
2: Very, yeah, very confident. You do walk
0: around with shoes with your name on it. You got to be confident.
2: Well, yeah, and I think I understand the difference between being cocky and, yeah. and confident. I mean, I've been around guys that people think the world of, and they're cocky. Yeah, um, But they don't get that. Based on how the media, exactly. um, you know, yeah. portray them. So
0: I heard that you, speaking of confident but not being arrogant, I heard you sent a <clears> gift <throat> to your other inductees, your fellow, what do you yes, call it, classmates? Uh, yes, yeah, my uh, classmate.
2: Um, I sent all of them uh, a pair of custom uh, shoes. Uh, I reached out to a guy. He reached out to me rather, um, and he does these uh, this artwork on the shoes, and so. Um, I asked him if he would, you know, make a pair of shoes for all my uh, my 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 fellow inductees.
0: That's that's classy, yo. So, that's pretty classy. So I they think. they
2: came out they came out pretty pretty good.
0: That's nice. That's nice. Last question, um, what um? What's your favorite cuss word?
2: I very seldom curse. Um,
0: because you're a good Christian. You go to a good church. You got a good. Pastor. You know
2: it's so it, it's so you funny. Good godly people man. recognize like even if I'm on on a basketball court, I won't say I'll say fudge. Whoa, fudge. You made Me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I was like fudge. And we'll then, take it. You know, but you know, like I said, every now and then, you know, it'll be some words to slip out, but yeah. nothing major.
0: Fudge, no, nothing major. He's yet. a class act, ladies and gentlemen. T O. Thanks, Terrell, for.